Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. All right, so uh, the reason that if you're a guest here today and you walked in and you see all these people wearing red, we are not celebrating an Ohio State victory. (laughs) Although some of you, maybe, unfortunately, team beat my team yesterday called Miami. Uh, They wear red. Anyways, uh, Reformation is today, Reformation Sunday, and if you don't know what that is, it's a day where... Protestants, a lot of Protestants, and especially Lutherans, celebrate the reforms that Martin Luther brought to the church 500 so years ago, and reformed the church at the time, nailing 95 theses on the wall and and protesting against some of the teachings of the church. And so it's a day where we remember that, but why do we wear red? Just because we do, right? One of those things. Um, No, it's uh, red is the color of the Holy Spirit. And so on like Pentecost, a day where we celebrate the Spirit uh, working through the church uh, is red, and red is the color of the Spirit. And so on Reformation Sunday, we talk about and hopefully reflect on the fact that the Spirit moved through these reforms. And so that's, that's where red comes from. But here's our reading for today. It's from uh, Romans. Paul writes these words. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, for through the law comes the, the knowledge of sin. But now, but now, Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and it is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus, then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. So as I'm reading this, and this week as I was reflecting... Think of what an amazing thing it is that we have access to the Holy Scriptures. I mean, think of that. You can can get on your phone right now, and you can look up any translation ever made and have it right there accessible on your phone. I mean, think of how rare in the course of history that this time that we live in is. 
I mean, for most, I would say over 90% of human history, most humans haven't even been able to read. And the, the opportunity to read the Bible and have one in your hands is like a blip of time in the realm of all of time. I mean, now we can get on and we can go to a site I go to all the time called Bible Gateway. Maybe some of you have been on there and you can just go through translation after translation after translation. Or sometimes I go to another site that's uh, called the Blue Letter Bible. And there you can look up all the different translations, but there, and I know you're as excited about this as I am, you have access to Hebrew and Greek translations. And you can look up a word that I often do, and then I bring the definition to all of you. But that's a free thing that we have available to us anytime. How many of you have a Bible in your house? Okay. Those of you who don't have your hand up, you can raise your hand too and lie because uh, it's a judgment-free zone here. And you actually do have a Bible in your house because all you have to do is take out your phone. So this access to the Bible, it's, it's such a rare thing. And so since, since it's been, uh, if you go back even just a couple hundred years ago where most of the population was illiterate, you go back to the time of Martin Luther, only 5% of Germans could read. 5%. And so think about what that meant. It meant that the nobility or the highly educated clergy told you what the Bible said. And so that's where these unfortunate things that Martin Luther was dealing with as Martin Luther studied the scripture and said, wait a minute, none of this is in there. Things like indulgences where you pay to get your dead relatives out of purgatory. Purgatory isn't in there. So all of these things that were being explained to all of the common people from the higher ups were a way of making profit. And so what I want to do today is tell a little bit different version of the Reformation story. We, your chances are you've heard the story of Martin Luther and, and his reforms, and if you haven't, from time to time I offer a Lutheran 101 class. You're invited to come and take part in that, but he reformed the church, but I wanna go to a different section of the story today. And it, it, we fast forward from the time where he nailed the 95 theses on uh, the doors of the church at Wittenberg. And we fast forward to another meeting that took place. And this meeting was all of the religious leaders invited this heretic who'd been excommunicated from the church, Martin Luther, to come and explain his stance, to come and explain and hopefully recant, recant what he had said because this was threatening to the church. And so they met at this uh, convention that they called, anyone know? You got it. I love it in English, just to say it like in English without putting any German on it. The Diet of Worms. That's what it was called, but in, really it's more like the Diet of Worms. But so this, that was this meeting, and the emperor, Emperor Charles, guaranteed Luther's safety for 21 days because his life was in serious danger. And so Luther came to the Diet of Worms, and there told again where, why he came to his conclusions. And the church, of course, threatened by this, said, you must recant. And then Martin Luther's famous words, he said, here I stand, I can do no other. And there are actual like uh, 
uh, an artifact, or not an artifact, an art display with big shoes in Germany where you can put your shoes in, supposedly where Luther stood and said that, here I stand, I can do no other. And so the emperor, who had guaranteed his safety for 21 days, basically said, all right, you've still got a period of time here where I can guarantee your safety, but go, and after that, you're on your own. So Luther took off. He went and made a few stops along the way and then eventually was kidnapped. Maybe you haven't heard this part of the story. He was kidnapped. And as he's being kidnapped, he's being forced out of this wagon. He does what any one of us would do. He grabs his Hebrew Old Testament and his Greek New Testament and he grabs them. These are the two things that are coming with me. Now here's the good part of the story. He was actually kidnapped by friends. Friends that wanted to keep him safe. And they were led uh, by a guy named Friedrich the Wise, who was an elector in the area, a powerful, uh, important person. And he kidnapped him and for his safety and took him to this place. Anyone know what that is? Wartburg, yep, it's Wartburg. It's a castle in Germany, and he was made to stay in one room. Now, here was the rules. He had one rule. He could not be recognized. His life was that in danger. And so they put him in a room, and it even had a uh, stairway that would recoil so that only select people could bring him what he needed. And here he, he had to grow a beard and get, uh, grow his hair out, uh, it's hard for you to see it there, but uh, an artist's rendering of what he might have looked like. They took his monk clothes and gave him night clothes, and, they, and he had to go by an alias now, so he went by, I love this in, again in English, it's Junker George. <laughs> Junker George, which actually means Sir George in German, but he was a knight, uh, supposedly a knight, and growing his beard and hair out, and, and it was a time frame where he was severely depressed because they also gave him rich foods that he wasn't used to. He was kind of a bland food guy, and they gave him these rich foods, and so he had, shall we say, digestive issues. And he became severely depressed, and he lived in this room where for a period of time he wondered, he, and part of the reason he was depressed is the fact that he wanted to be out in the fight. The Reformation was now going on and things were happening and he was one of the big influences of it and here he sat in a room all by himself. And so in order to deal with his depression, he, he figured out, okay, I have to be productive in some sort of way and he realized he had his Greek New Testament. And so he decided to make a, uh, a translation of Greek into German. And so he worked on that, and he set himself a goal of 1,500 words a day of translating from Greek into German. And he really wanted this to be a translation that spoke to all people. He didn't want this to be another highfalutin translation he wanted this to be something that everyone could read and understand. And so by the time he had grown out some hair and looked a little different, he snuck into the markets and the villages and he would listen to how people spoke because he wanted to, to get the current modern contemporary language down. And so then he would translate. And, and as a matter of fact, he wrote to one of his friends a letter and in it he said these words. We shall employ you sometimes to find the right word, but give us simple words and not those of the court or a castle. 
for this book shall be renowned for its simplicity. And he finished it, and get this, 11 weeks. 11 weeks he finished this translation, and it became a German masterpiece known for its language. And they say, a lot of scholars say, that the way that Germans speak today is largely in part to this translation that Luther provided. Think about that 500 years later. I mean, there are some words that in English we, we, we say because of the King James translation, much as similar with the German translation that Luther provided. And he was proud of it. And he at one point said that he, he wanted to show the world that German nightingales can sing just as beautifully as Roman goldfinches. Now think about this. Because of the printing press, all of the sudden, this Bible was available and affordable to the common person for the first time in history. Think about that. For thousands of years, the only one that told you what the scriptures said were the nobles and the highly educated church leaders, and they took advantage of that. And now, for the first time in history, this is affordable and available scriptures that would have cost thousands of dollars. Now, the common person can have, and they can read through it. And literacy started. It was slow, but it started to climb. And so now, people could read what was in the scriptures, but they also knew what wasn't in the scriptures. Things like, uh, I don't see anything about purgatory. There, there are no indulgences in here. Heck, there's not even a pope. Think about that. For the first time, people could make sense of what was in here and what wasn't. And now think about this also. For the first time, somebody could read this verse that I just read to you. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Imagine reading that yourself for the first time time. This isn't an angry God. This is a God filled with love and forgiveness. So, not everybody was happy about this. There was, there was an, uh, a German humanist that was appalled by Luther's availability of his German Bible, and it's a long quote, but I think you'll enjoy it. This person writes this. Luther's New Testament was so much multiplied and spread by printers that even tailors and shoemakers, yea, even women and ignorant persons who had accepted this new Lutheran gospel and could read a little German studied it with the greatest avidity as the fountain of all truth. Some committed it to memory and carried it about in their bosom. And, a few month, and a few, in a few months, such people deemed themselves so learned that they were not ashamed to dispute about faith and the gospel, not only with Catholic laymen, but even with priests and monks and doctors of divinity. 
How dare they? <laughs> I love that. Now, obviously, this availability and accessibility of finally, for the first time in history, being able to read the scriptures for yourselves, it had, some, it had many pros, obviously, but it did have a few cons. I mean, last thing I read, there's 45,000 different Christian denominations in the world because somebody read the Bible this way and then said, okay, here's where we stand, and somebody said, well, nope, we're gonna start a church over here that's against that. And so we have First Baptist and Second Baptist and Third Baptist and Fourth. But I am gonna guess you're like me that most of the pros far outweigh the cons. The fact that we, and we take it for granted, let's be honest, have accessibility to God's holy word inspired right in our palm of our hands. As I was preparing for today, I was thinking, as I was sitting in my office, and I'm thinking, I wonder, how many Bibles do I have in my office? And I'd never counted, and so I put them all together and made this pile. <laughs> 22 is the answer. Now, some of these are, are, are just Bibles that are, uh, mean something to me because they belong to special people that were once a part of my life. Others are for studying or for uh, devotion or from student uh, groups that I was a part of. And, and so it, it just struck me how accessible this is that we at any time can dive in and allow the Spirit to be at work. I know we used to, uh, when I was growing up, people often kept the Bible on their coffee tables and every now and then would dust it off. <laughs> but what about you? Let's, let's just for today not take it for granted that we have God's inspired word right in front of us. And maybe God wants to speak to you through it. And the only reason that we have it is because a select few individuals risked their life that we might have it.